Hello, Biblivores. You're listening to The Bookworm in association with FabRadioInternational.com and also Starburst Magazine. You can listen to us live right now on FabRadioInternational.com or on our podcasts. If you're listening to us on podcasts, please like and subscribe. I've been your, I'm your host, Ed Fortune. And I'm Russ Smith, guesting this week. And coming up today, I will be talking about The Electric... And I will be talking about a breed. So we're having a bit of a small press week this week. Uh, and coming up next, book news. Across the world, 24 hours a day. This is the bit of the show where I say we're on Radio Bookworm, we're at Radio Bookworm, we're at Radio Bookworm on Facebook, and we're at Radio Bookworm on Tumblr. You can and what, you'll mention that one of those is a Twitter. Yes, we're on the Twitters. Did I, did I not mention the Twitters? You said the handle, you didn't say what it was on. Oh, it's a Twitter. It's, it's definitely Twitter. Twitter. We're you on can, Twitter. You can tweet us. I think it's tweet. Is tweet the right word? Yes. Yes, tweet. Okay. Tweet, no. tweet. Um, yes, so you can social media us uh, if you're enjoying the show, but obviously we've just got into the show, so you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm enjoying it yet, so carry on. So I don't know why I put on that voice. Find us most places, say hi, have a chat, we're, we, we, we like that sort of thing. Shall, shall we get on with book news? Let's. So in the world of books, we were talked talked about last week, we talked about the George Orwell Martin plush. Plush. He's a cuddly, cuddly, fluffy George Orwell Martin. Uh, he apparently is being produced by Factory. He's apparently going to be available in a variety of different outfits, including one which is a um, the wall style outfit. Yeah. So he'll be a member of the watch. Um, uh, what else is he doing? Oh yeah, you can squeeze his tummy and he says things like, "It's a nice day for a red wedding." Uh, there are samples, there are vocal samples available online. We'll, keep keep we'll, on blathering and I'll find you one. Okay, we'll we'll try and dig it out. Will he tell you who he's going to kill this time? Um, I don't think so, but you know, you never know. Um, also, let's see what's going on in book news. Ah, well. You're, you're going to say that thing, aren't you? Uh, okay. well, I'm going to tell you to move on. I'm going to get that thing out of the way. Okay, uh, sad puppies. Sad puppies are continuing to be sad. Um, yeah, sad puppies, sad. Move. Get over it, jog on. Uh, also, uh, also in the slightly less depressing news, but only slightly less depressing news, um, E.L. James's book, Grey, has done extremely well and people are buying it everywhere. Uh, our various body parts are confused by the entire idea. But apparently agree. Wait there a second. <laughs> it's a nice day for a red wedding. I'm working on it. Yes. <laughs> Those are your audio samples of Mr. Martin. Oh, Actually, oh. that worked really well with, um, you know, Christine Gray's. <laughs> <laughs> are, oh, you, so wrong. Are, are you saying that parts of Christine Gray actually sound like George R. R. Martin? Because that's just surreal. I'm saying that we lock him in his office and blow um, and blow a rain to Castamere out as loud as we can. George R. R. Martin, not the fictional character Christian Grey, because that would just be weird. Yeah. 
Let's move on. But there is a website, by the way, if you don't want to read Grey, the, the book, there is a website, and that's currently on our... Is it on our Tumblr? Uh, there's a BuzzFeed link which will be turning up on about Wednesday lunchtime, UK time. Um, one, one man has read it this so that you don't have to. Where they will teach you to get second opinions from bits of your anatomy, too. Uh, random... Oh. <laughs> Um, moving, moving on. Sorry. Uh, random penguin, uh, penguin random house. Uh, children's will be p- releasing a series of colouring books based on classic novels. Um, these will include Escape to Wonderland, which is based on Alice's adventures in Wonderland, uh, Escape to Christmas Pass, which is based on the Christmas Carol, and Escape to Oz, which is based on the Wizard of Oz. Um, uh, they, they, they have said this is clearly an insatiable appetite for colouring books and we feel a smaller format would make these colouring books perfect for slipping into a handbag or school bag who doesn't want to bring the Mad Hatter's teapot party to life I actually really quite like this idea mm. there does seem to be a growing trend in, in colouring books I don't know, I suppose it's just a nice thing to do well if they're, uh, if they're a good size as well it's just a nice thing you can pluck out while they're sat in a queue or on a bus or <laughs> Um, Amazon to sell single issue Marvel comics on the Kindle um, you can already get them on Comixology but apparently Amazon have acquired the rights to to translate I don't know how it's going to work because my Kindle's black and white and the point of comic books is that they're in colour but presumably if you've got like a paper not white, yours they won't be but exactly so presumably if you've got something like a paper white then hmm. um, people on the internet have noticed that Matt Hague exists um, they've been weird at him. Uh, he's got a thing called the Humans Out on Channel Four. All right, all um, right, yeah. Which is one of his works. Um, he's uh, he's written for the Guardian in the pack in the past. Um, he's writing a book about masculinity at the moment, and people on Twitter are like, "Oh, you're writing a book on masculinity? We thought you were this political polarity." And he's gone, "Yeah, I'm writing a book. I write books. It's my job." Sort of thing, so. <laughs> It's a bit weird. The internet's just a bit weird these days. Yeah, to be the internet's just been always been weird. Um, Philip Pullman has been saying things because he's Philip Pullman, and that's what he does. Uh, it's, do you know what? It's not been terribly, terribly. Um, Are we saying slow news week or uh, no? It's been it's more strange news week. Strange news week, and a lot of the news because it's been a slow news week. I think a lot of the news has been someone has said something mean to someone else, and they're being mean, and now they're being all all hurt about it. It is like bad people. Internet continues to take on. El James is still making money. Yeah, pretty much. And in, in really happy news, Chris Riddell has invented a superhero. Um, to transform, um, Chris Riddell, ch- the headline is New Children's Laureate Chris Riddell to Transform into Bookshop Superhero. Hooray! No one does the doodle. In, in, a, in a phone box, perchance? Like, literally transform. Now, apparently, uh, his, his, um, his, his identity it will be will be the doodler and he will be running around creating excitement in children's books um, he'll don a mask and disguise himself and draw pictures on the walls of bookshop as a part of uh, a personal mission to widen the appeal of literature and illustration to young people someday um, him and Mr Tumble will encounter one another and then bad things well is, is Mr Tumble at the Manchester International Festival this year have I made that up am I thinking the I wrong think thing he, I think that I certainly saw a uh, sort of certainly saw a sign for the tale of Mr. Tumble on the way here. You see, so there's backstory somewhere, and we're <laughs> going to get it. You, you see, with with Chris Riddell, he I, I think he's awesome, and I love the idea of him turning up to a bookshop for a signing in a mask, and then doing this wonderful illustration on their wall that they can use to attract customers. Whereas Mr. Tumble, 
the children's the children's character scares me. And so, yeah, no, and so me out should. Out but isn't that the thing about children's characters? Aren't they often quite frightening? Yeah. We should talk about that maybe at the end of the show. Let's let's do that. We should at this point though. Wherever we should move on. I should talk about childhoods maybe. Yeah, maybe we should listen to some messages. FabRadioInternational.com Join me, Paul Ripley. And join me, Stephen Wilson. For the last word. 9pm on Sundays. 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 Slice of Ireland in Manchester. Then look no further than the Shamrock Bar and Grill. Our hearty home-cooked Irish menu is served daily. We have live music every weekend. Fridays, rock and indie. Saturday, traditional Irish bands. And Sunday, the live session hosted by Angie and our musical friends. Should drop in for the crack. Taste the finest pint of Guinness in all of Manchester. And don't forget about our large covered smoking area with a wood-burning fire. You'll be sure of a warm welcome at the Shamrock Bar and Grill, 17 Bengal Street, Manchester, M46AQ. Or for more information, go to www.shamrock-irishbar.co.uk. This is jazz. One show to rule them all, with the coolness to find them. Music to bring them all and in fab radio bind them. This is the master show. The one show to rule them all. Join Andy Mack every Saturday, 5 to 7 p.m., practicing the dark art of jazz. Are you cool enough to dare to share the treasures? Love music? Get your friends together and get in the festival spirit. Supporting the best in up-and-coming local talent at the Blackthorn Music Festival in Stockport from the 24th to 26th of July. See over 100 live bands across the weekend, including this year's headliners, The Enemy and The Sunshine Underground, all in the stunning setting of Ethro Country Park. Head to www.blackthornmusicfestival.co.uk for more information and get your tickets now. The Gay Agenda on Fab Radio International. All the offbeat chat and debate you'd expect from militant liberal gay warriors. Set on converting you to the homosexual regime. A retired U.S. doctor, John Schmidt, who professed to be able to cure homosexuality, has blamed popular music and pop culture on affecting people. Oh, that's right. Is this the guy that said Adele? Adele. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought this was just amazing. Adele, don't listen to Adele because she'll turn you gay. The Gay Agenda broadcasts live every Thursday evening from 9 p.m. till 11 p.m. on FabRadioInternational.com. Whether you're an acoustic virtuoso... (laughs) 
you're a rock god. Fab Music Store. At Fab, we buy and sell new and used kit with guitar brands like Faith, Breedlove, Lag and Westfield and Dynacord and Electrovoice sound systems. We hire sound systems from £60 and have guitars for sale from £39.99. With ukuleles, banjos and all the lights, leads, stands and mixers you can imagine. For sales, hire and service, Fab Music Store. Little Underbank, Stockport. Visit fabmusicstore.co.uk. My name is Kevin Steen. Hey, what's up? This is Matt Stryker. It's the psycho shooter himself, Drake Younger. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Adam Cole, and you're listening to The Sunday Falsies. The Sunday Falsies is your weekly dose of pro wrestling from the UK and all over the world. Join Craig and Gas every Sunday, 3 till 5, right here on Fab Radio International. Enjoy, and we'll see you front row. So I was lucky enough to get my hands on a book called The Electric, which is by Andrew David Barker. It's published on Boo Books. And it's one of those... Mm, it's a ghost story. But when I say ghost story, you'll be like, oh, so it's a scary horror novel. No. Uh, but it's not urban fantasy. By no stretch or shake of the imagination would I call this urban fantasy. Um, it, it's barely a fantasy uh, for a start. Um, let, let me get into it. So we've got these kind of... Let's say it's the 80s. It's a childhood. It's someone's generic childhood. And the way that it's kind of presented and the way that it looks, it could be the 60s, it could be the 70s, it could be the 80s, it could almost be the 90s. But certainly it's someone's childhood. And they're, you know, they're, they're, they're telling you from their perspective. So there's a bit of unreliable narrator going on there because obviously it's their childhood that they're talking about. Um, the plot falls a young teenager called Sam Crowhurst. Now, He's got a bunch of problems going on. For a start, he's getting older. Um, you know, he's he's 13, 14. He's getting to that point where he's having to start about the, the real world and think about real world. He's oh, I see you. Got, got Big on, plot device. Gotten through the exams, and now he's waiting to see where the world's going to take him next. It's kind of, it's very big on his age because, again, it's, you know, it's kind of setting that kind of timeless point. Um... At the same time, that said, I mean, there are specific references to comic books and things, so there's definitely a period of time in mind, but there we go. Sam's father died a while ago. His mother's just about getting over it. Um, and one of his best friends also has had a bereavement, and the, he he's bonded with her as friends, and they're good friends. And they've got another friend as well who's that kind of easygoing, charming young person who's a bit, you know, a bit of a lad. And anyway, the three of them are hanging around in a, in a kind of summery day. And our, our, young, our young Sam gets separated from the group and um, stumbles across an abandoned cinema in the middle of nowhere. And this is the thing. The cinema is built... It, it, oh, he almost confuses it for a farmhouse because, you know, there's a bunch of fields, then there's a cinema, there's a bunch of fields. It's not normally where you get a cinema. Not really, no. Um, Field of dreams? 
I sort of. So he goes goes into the cinema, has a bit of an explore, and the first thing he notices is he's like, "Oh, my dad was really into Bogart. I don't recognise that Bogart movie." A, and he puts around and he's like, "I don't recognise any of these posters actually." Oh, there's a weird tramp watching what appears to be. How is the projector working? This is strange. He gets a bit freaked out. He runs away. As you would. And there is, there is a whole thing where when he when he sees what's being projected, it kind of makes him it makes him ill, but it makes him ill in not necessarily a bad way, just a new experience. He, do, he has never experienced it before, so he doesn't know what it is, so it's a bit scary. Um, so this is the new experience adjustment as opposed to, oh, oh no, this is awful, switch it off. Yeah, you could argue that's a metaphor for other things in life, mm. but there we go. So off off he goes, he runs away, he goes and gets his friends, he tells his friends about this amazing new thing. Um, and one of his friends doesn't really get it, his, his happy-go-lucky friend is a bit, mm, I don't really understand why you're getting so excited about an abandoned cinema, but it's kind of cool. And at the same time, his, his, uh, his not girlfriend, but his friend who happens to be a girl, mm. who has more in common with him, are like, oh, I've got that weird, sickening, but not quite a sickening feeling in my stomach as well. So, another metaphor. Another metaphor. So they they run around the cinema for a while, and then, long story short, this is a haunted cinema. This has always been a haunted cinema. Oh. The cinema was built for the ghosts, also members of the public, but it was built for for ghosts to watch movies. That's a really nice idea. Even better, the ghosts of dead movie stars get to finish some projects and they never got around to finishing oh wow um, and they get to do all sorts of collaborations with people who were long dead when they were still in their careers so you get these weird movies and some of them are, are, are basically snapshots of the underworld which the living don't particularly like and find a bit bit repulsive but ghosts like watching regular movies as well and they find ghost stories especially hilarious <laughs> as they would <laughs> well yeah so, so that is essentially the setup of the story. This is a haunted cinema. Um, there is a thing going on with the community and how it's had an impact on the community. The cinema itself is an old condemned building. Um, it should not be allowed to, to, to be there because it's obviously a health and safety risk. Most people know about it, they ignore it. It's new to these kids. Um, and obviously most people don't know it's actually haunted. All the rest of it. Is it, uh, and they're ignoring it just because, or there's a little bit of column A and a little bit of yeah. column B. So people who who know the secret behind the electric, some of them have you know ha- have allowed it to drift out of their lives. Other people, it's implied they kind of know on some level what's going on and don't particularly like it, and so on. But it's not one of it's not one of those novels where some kids find some something magical and then some you know evil developer turns up and tries to destroy the magical thing. This is this is not one of those books. Um, rather, it's because it's all about Sam. One of the things that Sam does is by coming to terms with his grief, and there's very much you know this is one of the main themes of this novel is about coming to terms with grief. He, yeah, he reignites his own talents. He starts creating again. He starts drawing, and he pulls that from his soul as well he pulls his he, he stopped drawing when his father died when he goes back to the cinema he finds 
he finds he can pull that weird feeling the cinema gave him out of himself and he can draw and his drawings have a strange quality to them where people look at them and they go there's something about those drawings that just makes me feel uneasy but I like it sort of thing so he has this you know he gains this talent but the talent was in him all along but the books are not small change you know the books aren't like the books not trying to give you any message Barker is not trying to not trying to lecture what this is is it's more kind of halcyon is the, 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 the way to describe it it's more of a drift of a story the pace is slow and steady the um, almost dreamlike in places so it's kind of like one of those um, independent art house movie books yeah, it's very. I mean, I mean, it's it, it's an indie book to begin with, anyway. Yeah, but it's I, I, it's very kind of. It reminded me a lot of a sort of the sort of children's novel that was presented to you in a kind of huge book about kids. You're a kid, you'll enjoy this. And you'd, I, I read it and I went, oh, actually, no, I do. And because it remind, it's more that kind of easygoing approach to childhood that happens when you're a child. Rather than, yeah, it's that that kind of gentle drift. Yeah. And there's a gentle drift and a gentle approach to the entire thing. So a gentle read, but not a necessarily a comfortable read. For it's got some creepy bits into it. Yeah. But it's not a horror novel. It's a ghost story. Yeah. It's a very gentle ghost story, full of cool ideas and interesting characters. There is a coda at the end of it, which I actually think massively improves the, the story as well because it brings everything sharply into perspective and it explains how the electric changed people's lives right and um, continues to in its own yeah it, it, the impre- the, the, the way it, it changed their lives and, and you know it's, it's one of those ghost stories that is about the living rather than about the ghost yeah um, I wouldn't say it's scary I would say it's addictive to read I enjoyed it immensely uh, it is lovely um, yeah. Certainly a recommendation if you want to try something different. Yep, yeah, and that's by uh, Andrew David Barker. It's on Boo Books and it is out now. Across the world. a day. This is Fatmoyen International. So, talking of all things book related, we actually caught up with Alex Davis, who not only has his own work out, he also um, organises things like Edgelet, and he's the the man behind the boo books. So, coming up next, a chat with Alex. FabRadioInternational.com Alex Davis, welcome to the Bookworm. Thanks very much for having me. Tell us about your novel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's called The Last War. It is the first part in a science fiction trilogy. Uh, it's all about the very earliest days of a new alien civilization and uh, trials and tribulations uh, initially that they face in, in trying to build, uh, build a life for themselves. Um, there's a big thread of uh, religious worship that runs through it, which is a sort of um, quite a cause of tension as the, as the book wears on. 
Um, there's also uh, the elephant in the room starts to emerge in, in the shape of um, the fact that the aliens are telepathic and they're trying to discover the, the limits of those powers and the uh, dangers of, of those powers as well. So um, in, in this first book they're very much um, odds with themselves, I think, um, as a species. Why is sci-fi so steadfast as a genre? I think so. I, I think it's probably um, one of the, the steadiest genres around. I think. I don't think there's been real um, dip in, in popularity um, for, for a while. Um, I mean, certainly fantasy. You know, statistically, fantasy does does still out outsell science fiction. But um, science fiction is very very solid territory for um, for any writer, I think, and. Um, I think now, I mean, honestly, there's so much great stuff coming out now. It's kind of, it's frightening. There's not enough hours in the day. There's not enough days in the week um, to actually sit and read the, the quality of stuff that is, that is really starting to emerge. It sounds like a very traditional setup for a sci-fi story. Yes. <laughs> um, I think, well, the thing for me, what the, re- the way I set out about it was um, to do quite a sort of low-tech science fiction story, because I think uh, some of the science fiction I read, I think, is is, is quite heavy on the tech. It's not something I'm, I'm massively into as a reader. Um, so for me, I wanted it to be, yes, about aliens, yes, set in a sort of fictional uh, galaxy, um, a galaxy far, far away, if you will. And um, to to have that chance to, to play with a species that could be something different to humans or something more human but still with that with enough humanity for, for the readers to say yeah I can I can relate to this I can, I can feel this I can see um, where these uh, where these people where these characters are coming from um, so I think that was that was the angle I, I took was was perhaps something isn't I don't know maybe maybe there's there's a whole filter so I haven't come across but I don't I, I've not read anything that's kind of um, gone really started with the origins. I think what tends to be the case is you sort of start more. I suppose a lot of books start sort of slap bang in the middle as a series, and then you go back to the start. Um, I thought it'd be interesting to, to begin at the very beginning and take everything from there. What can you tell us about Boo Books? Oh yes, they, yes, Boo Books. Uh, well, that's my um, publishing venture, um, which is um, based, based here in Derby, uh, where I live. Um, basically, we are looking to publish and promote as many uh, great local writers as we possibly can. Uh, local meaning East Midlands and West Midlands and uh, many writers beyond that as well, as a matter of fact. Um, the aim really is not about genre. My initial thought was I wanted to have a sort of genre press. Um, but the more I read, the more I thought, now there's things here I want to publish. Um, but, and I don't want to restrict myself to say we do this or we, you know, we, we do that. I wanted to be able to say, look, you know, the criteria um, is is for us is, is quality stuff that we just stuff that we really like, stuff that we really believe in. Um, I mean, the Electric um, by Andrew David Barker was our first novel. That is a ghost story slash coming of age story, really literally written, lovely book. Um, our next novel is a very uh, light and witty Woodhousian comedy. Um, we didn't want to be sort of say, you know, we are, we do any particular kind of thing. Um, that makes for an interesting challenge because um, I would imagine if you said to yourself, we are a horror press or we are a science fiction press, you are 
pitching to the same audience all the time, whereas with what we do, I think we have perhaps an extra challenge in saying, well, actually, this is a new kind of book, and we need to reach a new kind of audience with this. Um, but I think that's one of the things that drives me on with it, that just fascinates me to get people reading perhaps something they wouldn't normally have taken on, or to um, get people, you know, to read one of our books and then try something different. You know, that's a big part of what we're all about. How has the response been through your submissions window? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it was it was very noticeable when we had the second submissions window in particular. How many more submissions we had, and also how many um, recognisable names we had, um, which provides a challenge all of its own, of course. Um, but no, it was great to see that obviously people since that first submission window had had noticed what we were doing, had uh, had seen us around, and thought, yeah, actually, this is not a bad place to be submitting to. Um, and yeah, sales-wise, things have really been picking up. And I think the aim for this year really is just to to continue upping our game, to produce uh, nicer, better-looking books, to to try and get things more widely visible. And so that's going to take in hopefully things like Waterstones. We're starting to get things into libraries now, which is fantastic. Um, so yeah, it's 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 going it's it's going well. But I think any any publisher will tell you it's a slow burn kind of business. That it takes a long time before you really um, take off. If you look at some of the, the big um, independent genre presses, you know, they have been at it for five, ten years, you know, uh, to get where they are now. So we're, we're, we feel like we're on a good, a good journey and on a good upward curve. You're better known for organising literary events. What's coming next? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, the, uh, the next one uh, on the horizon, and quite immediately on the horizon, um, is Edgelit 4, which is running um, at Derby Quad, where I, where I sit at this very moment. Um, it is a one-day science fiction, fantasy, and horror event. Um, we cram an awful lot into one day. Uh, we have two threads of workshops. We have panels. We have um, some fantastic guests of honor taking part this year. Um, Joanne Harris, John Connolly, uh, Mike Carey. Um, absolutely thrilled with the lineup this year. Um, uh, you know, and we've got about 30 authors all, all told taking part, so it's going to be a really good day if, uh, you know, if your listeners fancy it. It's, um, it's, and again, that's another thing that's just at that point where it's just starting to grow and starting to really mushroom in something, um, in something really exciting. Uh, it's our fourth year and it's, um, it's that same slow burn and slow build and the word getting around um, of what the event is like and what the event is about. Um, Beyond that, there are irons in the fire. Nothing too much. Nothing I can say uh, too much about. But um, was certainly not resting on the rest. Not certainly not resting on my laurels, um, events-wise, uh, later this year or into next year. If you had one book of company, what would it be? Uh, Dandelion Wine by Ray Bradbury. Without uh, without a hesitation, it's probably it's a book I have read more times than any other. And if I was on a desert island, I know I would need quite a bit of cheering up. And it's a book that always cheers me up. It always puts a smile on my face. has this lovely sort of nostalgic um, feel to it. And um, it's sort of very, it's very gentle, but it's the kind of book I'd normally be quite cynical about. But it sort of cuts through that, just with how it's expressed and how and how it's written. Um, Ray Bradbury has such a sort of light touch with his, with his words. Simpsons or Futurama? Either early Simpsons, <laughs> later Simpsons, not so much. Um, no, I think I'd, I'd probably prefer Futurama. I think I think Ben is one of my favourite um, comedy characters. Um, my daughter likes them as well. I'm just hoping she doesn't um, 
picked up too many freezers uh, from Bender being a three-year-old. <laughs> Telepathy or telephones? Oh, you see. Now, I, I personally, I would say telepathy because I don't get on with phones. Um, I've recently upgraded to an iPhone 3, which will sound absurd. Uh, but, um, I've, I had this kind of Nokia thing that people would look at and say, this is a, what is that? That's a relic. That's an antique. Um, not, a, not a very big fan of, of, of phones on the whole. So if I could have telepathy, I would probably go with that. Truth or beauty? Ooh. I'd say true. I think that I think um, I've never, never liked to take the easy road on things. To be honest, um, I think when you when you I think most writers would say that because there's an awful lot of easier ways to uh, to go about uh, making a living or uh, attempting to make a living or uh, spending your spare time. So I think that's uh, yeah, true very much so. Alex Davis, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you very much, Ed. Thank you. This is Fab Radio International. International. I have a couple of questions for you, uh, audience. Uh, have you read Breed by Katie Davis? And if not, why not? It is fantastic. I have. Good. What did you think? I really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what did you like about it? Uh, the entire thing and the main character. You go ahead. You, 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 you explain it to the audience. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to. Uh, I'm actually just going to throw you in straight on the back blurb because it's uh, because it pretty much um, pretty pretty much tells you everything you need to start. After being chased by a dragon, tricked by a demon, almost killed by a psychopathic gang boss, and hunted by a ferocious Ar- arachid assassin, Breed's life really takes a turn for the worst. Sentenced to five years bonded servitude to a one-handed priest magician, Breed must find the weapon of the ancient hero known only as the Hammer of the North within a year and a day. With only a drug-addicted vagrant, a rat-faced child and a timid priest for backup, Breed sets out the mighty city of Velen and the Tomb of the Hammer. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, this sounds absolute insane. I love it already. The most important thing that we could mention there is that last little question. Because the short answer is pretty much everything, and this is part of the hilarity. We're 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 thrown in on the uh, we're, we're thrown in on a lovely prologue where we've got um uh, where where we have we have breed our um our, our protagonist, and I will uh, I will stick to fr- uh, protagonist for the moment because there are a few things I want to talk about with that, and. Um, the first thing the, the the first thing we see is uh, breed can, uh, breed cannot keep um, uh, cannot keep sticky fingers away from uh, from uh, temptation and this is of course where the trouble starts big uh, just just make uh, breed makes an uh, makes a uh, rather big enemy of a very very big and um, and quite horrific demon and uh, sets us uh, sets us all all off on that plot and it just goes from there. <laughs> It's for me. It's the fact that the main character is. It's not that she's. She, she is very competent, but she's also. Uh, well, that's a thing. Um, that, well, well, this is a. This is this is um, a thing I wanted to me- mention with Breed. Um, we're not actually. Uh, no, no gender is ever uh, is ever mentioned, and it's all. Um, and and it is all. Um, quite ambiguous at times 
I, see, I just assume that uh, for some reason I assume it's a she, and I don't know why I assume it's a she. Yeah. I assume when I read the short story in um, Tales from Nun and Dragon, where the character first appears, I just assumed it was a she, and I don't know why, but I think it was more. Uh, I couldn't quite put my finger on it, either. But the character is wily, sassy, clever, um, quite you know, quite flirty, as well. And you're just like, for me, maybe maybe if you know a lady friend was to read this, they'd be like, oh, that's definitely a guy. Maybe that's a reflection thing. I'm not entirely sure. To be honest. I think it is. Um, uh, I, I think it is stylishly ambiguous. And actually, it's um, it, it, it's a it's a great appeal of the novel because you. Um, we're, we're we're talking about it now, but while you're reading, you just don't. You just there's there's <laughs> it's breed is just a strangely charming rogue. <laughs> I think is the uh, uh, I think is the uh, poss- possibly uh, possibly a best description. Um, half human, half a thalassin, which is a uh, lizard kin war. Um, it's a war breed race. It's um, yeah, so. Very, very, uh, so very, very tough. But um, I think, that, um, but I think a lot of the human qualities are uh, quite, quite funny ones. Because in some interpretations, breed could be considered a bit of a scumbag. A half human, half dragony monster, lizardy thing. Yeah. Um, but but you know, two legs, two arms. Quite. Um, now you. We get a few uh, we, we get a few things as the story goes on where um, um, people breed runs into breed wants to kill in some sort of uh, uh, some sort of in- exciting inventive or re- or rapid way, but not all, but but uh, it, it it never quite goes that way and uh, usually in, and um, over over the course of the book. Um, Breed will uh, breed finds uh, uh, finds an adventuring party of sorts, and it, it's a, a hilariously ragtag bunch as well. the uh, the The priest is brilliant and starts off uh, and uh, start starts off very much as a uh, as you uh, as uh, the a, a lot of the uh, stereotypes would go in that you know very. Uh, uh, seems seems very pious to begin with but um <laughs> from from there things uh, I, I will say things develop quite oh. hilariously quite dangerously i won't ruin it for, uh, won't ruin it for you any um for uh, much more than that but really really does need to work on calculating those angles is one of the things i will say <laughs> <laughs> And you know, characters have um, another uh, another character who I think is just known as Tosspot, which is you know not sort of name you want to put on your CV. No, but um, with that character having you know, when you when you get near the end of the book, the payoff is just magnificent on that one. So, what's the style like? What's it like to read? It's a very unique style, and it's a Beautiful style. Um, Breed is uh, it comes at you from first person and is kind of um, and and will will tell an eloquent story, but at the same time happens to be um, hugely brusque with it as well, and <laughs> certainly uh, and, and and certainly some inventively fruity language in there at times. I think rarely you get an unreliable narrator who is not only unreliable but actually a hazard. 
Um, <laughs> and I think one of the things I like about Breed and the, the writing style is that it's an unreliable narrator who you can believe is always telling you the truth, but you're not entirely, you know, you're very rarely when you read a book, you tend to believe what the, the author, yeah. what the character is. Yeah, see, I, I think, um, I, I think of Breed as, uh, as uh, reliably unreliable in, in, in uh, quite, in quite a lot of ways. It's, a, a lot of it seems very, very truthful. You can see where the point, uh, you can see where the point of views and, uh, points of view and the opinions come from. And, uh, actually, despite you, uh, despite a few times you sitting there going, you're, you're, you're a bad, bad person, Breed. You're just, you still have, you still have the utmost sympathy for the character at the, the majority of the time. You see, I think because they're telling you the truth, you think they're telling you the truth so many times. There's bits, if memory serves, it's been well since I've read it, but there's bits in there where I was sitting there thinking, no, you're lying to me. That's a fib. I think that's a fib. Hmm. Um, I, I think this didn't quite go as badly as it went. I think you're responsible for that, Breed. I think that's your fault. And Breed is responsible for an awful lot of what goes wrong in the book, which is, again, part of the charm. But I tell you what, and this, this, this will sound like a massive compliment, and it really is that good. I tell you what, from level of unreliable narrator, it reminds me of. It reminds me of Robin Hobb in places. Okay. Because one of the things that Hob does is Hob, because she is so focused on that worldview, and because the character is so focused on that worldview, you don't see beyond that character's worldview until you see it from someone else's perspective. And with Breed, you get the same sort of effect. Yeah. Where actually the situation is different to how it played out. Because the person telling you that story is telling you that story, you don't know. And it's only until you think about it later in the bath that you go, actually, I bet you it didn't go that way. And you'll sit there shaking your fist with, Breed! <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just just a wonderful thing I, 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 find, in, I find in the book. It's, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a fantasy story, but, but, but not as you know it. It's, um, it, it, it's got suitable levels of... Um, it, 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 it's got levels of grit. It's um, got levels of just utter obnoxiousness at times, but as through all that, um, it, it's entirely charming. So, who's it by? What's it on? Where can we get our hands on it? Uh, it's by Katie Davis, um, also author of The Red Knight, which I'm also a big fan of, and um, it's on Fox Spirit Books, um, which is a label I'm a big fan of. accidentally stumbled on our theme again oh it's all planned it, this, this this one was for, this one was foreseen <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, we've interviewed a, a small press uh, author and publisher. We've also talked about one of the books that they produce. And we've also talked about Fox Spirit Books. Um, one of Fox Spirit Books is uh, Lee Tiles Breed by Katie Davis. I'm currently reading Emily Nation, by the way. All right. Um, it's on my, my read list, which is also a Fox Spirit book. So uh, tell us about Fox Spirit in case the listeners don't, don't know what that is. Um, they're a UK-based UK um, genre publisher. Yep. Um, you can find them on Fox Spirit on the, the internet. If you type in Fox Spirit books, you'll find them quite easily. And uh, what I what I, what I like is a bit about the ethos whereby they will um, take ex- uh, take existing story tropes and ideas, and they'll um, they'll they'll shake them about a bit and give you something uh, give you give you something new to read every single time on that. I mean, they are an absolute pile of um, small press publishers out there, and some are better than others. Um, Boo Books looks very promising. I mean, they're only you know they've only just started, but they've got a good heritage and they've done very well so far. You know, they've got some good voices and some good people involved, and I think I do tend to judge small press by the people uh, involved and responsible. Hmm. So um, Jurassic London, for example. Uh, other people who are also behind Pornokitch, they organised their uh, Nine Worlds All the Books last year. You know, they're that crowd, Jared Shewan yeah. and friends. Um, staggeringly good. Fantastic stuff. Um, Adele Waring, who is the who runs Fox Spirit Books. Also known as Auntie Fox. Also known as Auntie Fox. Um, has just got this amazing stable of authors. And uh, uh, to be honest, in totally obvious disclosure, we, we know quite a few of the authors involved because we're involved in the, that, yeah. that level of the book industry. And it's, you know, you go to these things, you bump into these people, you make friends, you get on because they like good books, you like good books, you've got something in common. And, you know, we talk. <laughs> um, I, I must admit, I actually have um, a short story in one of the, um, the Fox Spirit collections coming out self-interest oh it, amazing it, I, I, I just that's alright I was getting around to that myself in a minute <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you may be surprised by this but it, it's one of those things where you know you, I've got to turn around and say yes and hmm. yes I'd love to write more short stories I'd love to write more, more fiction in general I tend to be spending too much time writing other stuff but I was the first few things I sent off to Fox Spirit I got rejected um, and that's because they were rubbish frankly um, and there's stuff that I sent around to various places. And people were like, we really like the idea, Ed, but you, you know, try it again and try writing it from the start or just try writing something else. Um, and I think one of the things I like about that level or where it's the it's the well-known small press. Yeah. Where they are well-known, they have a strong reputation. Jurassic London is a very good example of this. And then they start to draw in the kind of uh, other tiers of authors all the way from the top, all the way down, because they want to be associated with a level of quality. And you've got the younger younger creators who desperately, desperately want that kind of push. because, And then brilliantly you get these more kind of established authors who are like, I've got this weird idea that my, my mainstream publisher thinks won't make any money and I don't care because I just want it out there because it's great. At which point they look at the better small press publishers. 
and they, they approached them. Likewise, um, I uh, couldn't let uh, I, I couldn't let this bit pass without mentioning Skylar Publishing at some at, at any point. Um, who uh, some of you may know look after me uh, and uh, my series, and also a couple of other uh, and and also several other people I um, I, I know who um, are very much up and coming. They're based in the uh, uh, based in the US, but. Um, there's some uh, there's some very very good stuff coming out. If I was to men- uh, I to mention uh, a book by the name of Sigil of the Worm, um, by AJ Campbell coming soon. See, that's also the, it's interesting that you mentioned Zyla, and I know that you're with them. Yeah. But the, one of the things that I find interesting is I looked at Zyla, and I know various other people in the industry who looked at Zyla, and they looked at their approach and philosophy and the stable there, and they went. I, I like all those people and I like all those things and I like their approach but also they're not for me hmm. and you can't really do that with the big five no um, but you can do that with small press you can look at what they produce and you can go actually their style is more to my style and you know you can be more more picky more choosy it's a way of finding a home as both an, uh, as both a writer uh, as both a writer and um, and as a as a reader I mean, I suppose we should mention New Congress as well, who also... Absolutely. Who also, I don't know if they would we call them small? Subterranean Press mm. definitely aren't small, but they are. They, they, they have a small production run, but they attract some amazing names. Yeah. So, it's, so like if, if you've written something that's, that is vaguely within the worlds that these companies publish... I'm guessing you're waiting for submissions windows and things and following them on Twitter to find out when those are. Yeah, you go onto their websites. Oh, yeah, don't even wait. Have a look on the. Um, have a look if you if you know of a name. Have a look on the website or even look under or even look under a genre and they'll probably they'll probably mentioned it there. Submission windows are happening all the time. So, I mean, definitely take a look. There's there's stuff out there like Duotrope and there's websites which have all sorts of of different names and, and names and kind of approaches and there's an awful lot of small press out there is the other thing um, and it's just I mean I, I've submitted work to over when I started out I submitted work to almost everyone and then there were some places that I was like actually I'm not the right fit for these people they've published my work but no one's reading it because you know all these people are in this direction and they look at me and they go actually he's not my sort of thing so you know, it was, it was very useful for their time and their effort and all the rest of it, but not quite my thing. So, if you're um, small press and listening, you know, we were talking about this whole social media thing. Why not say hi to us? Yes, definitely say hello. Um, who else haven't haven't we mentioned? We haven't mentioned. Oh my goodness, Teresa Darwin, and uh, she does some fantastic stuff as well. Uh, she did a potatoes anthology a little while ago, which is amazing. Heck. Uh, um, but there's all sorts. There are all sorts of small press out there, and it's up to you to be a bit picky, be a bit choosy. Find find your tribe, and you know, and just write, create good art, as Mister Gaiman says. Create good stuff. Find people who will be to read you. Get in there, and then find you know. Read also, and I can't say this enough. Buy and read their stuff. Don't just submit. Don't just go onto a small press website and go, oh well, they look like they'll they'll. they'll I've, I've already submitted to twenty other people yeah. this this short story. You can have a look for yourself whilst at the same time supporting them, and you know, in the long run, supporting yourself as well. Exactly. Go go out there and actually look at the stuff that's out there. See if it suits you. This is what I've been driving at because I looked at some of the stuff that 
that, that some publishers have done. And when I started out, I was like, I'll submit to everyone. And then I suddenly realized that it's like, actually, what I should do is I should do the sensible thing of reading the stuff they produce first, like getting a feel for them. And going forward, you can't always do that luxury, and you can't always have that luxury, and it's not always the best approach. But sometimes it's very wise. is Fab Radio International. Starburst Radio, the greatest radio show in the universe. Every Wednesday, 9pm till 11pm. Exclusive to Fab Radio International. This is Fab Radio International. Before we run off, I think we should mention a few places that you can find us. Um, we will be at Edgelit, myself and producer Mal. Uh, coming soon, July in fact. Um, we'll also be, well I'll be at Glasgow Comic Con, but that's not really a book thing. It is comics, comics are fantastic. Uh, we'll be at Nine Worlds, lots of people will be at Nine Worlds, including John Scholes from The Missing Monkey. He will also be around. And it's part of a particularly busy August. which. Uh, <laughs> so in chronological order, that's Glasgow Comic Con, Edgelit... And then Nine Worlds. Yes, indeed. Mm. Uh, and then at some point, Blackpool Comic Con. At some point, that's later in the year. We'll talk more about that later. Um, and Mangstacon in August as well. Oh, yes. yeah, Mangstacon, which everybody is at. We'll be at MCM Manchester as well. That's mm-hmm. again August? Question mark? I'm not sure. sure. <laughs> Timey wimey, wibbly wobbly, boogie woogie. <laughs> but uh, hey, audience, maybe you can help us. <laughs> yes. If you want us at your your, your event uh, and we have the time, let us know. Um, that'd be lovely. I think I'm getting stared at by producer Val, and um, I think LiveX is coming at uh, the live archive. The live archive. I think the live live archive is um, just setting up. Is that a band? It's always a band. That, that this you know how this is a TARDIS. That that's how they do it. They squeeze like 14 people in here and have them play music somehow. <laughs> That explains all the wrestlers. I was trying to work out what all the wrestlers are for. It's for the Sunday Falsies. That's all later, isn't it? That explains the whole circle and that that semi-naked guy who's doing a lot of yelling. No. Oh, is that just my head? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then you're wondering how many people you can fit into a TARDIS. Well, apparently an entire wrestling ring and its audience. But not Brock Lesnar. Anyway, um, let's, let's leave. Let's leave. I've been your host, Ed Fortune. And I've been a Russ Smith, also your host. The Bookworm is a truly outrageous production for Fab Radio International and Starburst magazine. Presented by Ed Fortune and Russell Smith. Produced by A.L. Johnson.
Those hands are playing the strangest musical instrument in the world. The only instrument that is not touched by hands. You ask for it. 